With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Radio. This thing right here is for my people's streets. Yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start this show, this one might be. There is a pause throughout the stadium as this man sounds like he just coughed up a lung. Just looking around, the jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need uh, CPR or something? And then at that particular time, I lost it. Devon <laughs> Yes, 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 today. Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq. And you can do that. You know, people talk a lot about this kind of stuff. Yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one mic. All right, welcome to RST One Mic. Uh, this is your man, D. Wills. Uh, the theme of our show today is Game Done Change. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll get into the stifer in about 15 minutes uh, where we'll be going around a number of topics where uh, things were just good a week ago and now they're different now. And so I look forward to doing that segment uh, with my guys. Before I, I, I bring them on, I want to remind you all to go to realsportsguys.com. We launched a new website where you can um, follow all of our podcasts. You can, uh, if you click on the podcast tab, um, you can catch up on the most recent podcast. Uh, there's a great one done by Sekou. And Marcus on Hustle and Flows, that is a hot podcast. Um, it's a specialty podcast. They put it out, um, you know, a couple times every quarter or once or uh, twice every quarter. But um, it's really themed. It's the intersection between sports, the hip-hop, the music. Um, they do an excellent one. That one's up there. As well as our most recent podcast we've done here on One Mic uh, with our previews of uh, what's been happening here in the NFL, our divisional ones, along with our championship predictions and a number of things that we talked about are coming true. There's some twists and turns in the story, and we'll get into some of those things as we go. Uh, but uh, go to realsportsguys.com for all of that. I want to bring my guys on, the guys who keep it going, keep us moving here, who bring that energy and that uh, and make it uh, make it so great to do this podcast. I'm gonna bring the youngin on first uh, because you know he's getting ready. You know he's he's on with us, but he's also trying to. He, he he's he's a practitioner. He's a coach. He's he's doing that. He's getting ready for a game tonight as well after the show. But uh, I want to bring him on and see how he's doing. The young end. What's up? What's up, Darnell? How you doing? Paul is back and in full swing. Um, we had a couple matchups last week. The first one 
we got to see Khalil Mack versus David Bakhtiari on pay-per-view. And then um, Sunday, we got to see another one, a heavyweight matchup with um, Mar- Marshawn Lattimore and DeAndre Hopkins. Like, we're seeing uh, – I'm just excited to see these matchups. Like, even these are some players that people don't necessarily look for all the time, but, like, football is back, man. I'm I'm excited. We we get to, we got to saw your Steelers. Well, I don't know if you want to talk about that, but – if the Patriots are looking like they are poised and ready to repeat. So, uh, football is back. And, <laughs> you like um, dealing with some sore spots. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, I'm not as down as I think people might think. So, we're about to talk about that. But, yeah, them, yeah, them, them Steelers. But we'll, we'll get we'll get to that in, uh, uh, late, later on as we move in. But, yeah, the matchups. Um, and then Gerald McCoy actually squaring off. <laughs> and about to knock somebody <laughs> out last night. We'll talk about that. It actually showed – that he he has that power punch to put you he'll put you to sleep if you let him hit you with let him hit you with that love tap so yeah it, people get ornery early early in this early in this NFL season like the playoffs are on the line right now and uh we got to bring in we got to bring in the old vet we got to bring in the one you know who set the screen roll you know something that the national team probably needed as they took that beat down from France and from Serbia uh, but you know he's always consistent you know he'll knock the J down from the corner. You know, he's got that Cliff Levinson vibe to him. Holy <laughs> <laughs> below. What's up, Hank? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. And before we get going on this show, I want to let you, Dino, and I want to let young Darnell know right now that I am doing this full show with my watch on. I don't want y'all getting all <laughs> upset asking me why I got on my watch. It ain't hurting nobody. I'm going to do me. But I just want to let y'all know that when y'all go back to pay this thing back, that Hank said he had his watch on the whole time. I don't want nobody questioning it. I'm telling you, that's what I do. <laughs> All right, ODJ, Odell Beckham, You're killing him. All right, you got you got to get it on. My goodness. Uh, ooh, my goodness. <laughs> All the, All the drama up there in Cleveland. We're going to get into that one big time. All right, like I said, this is RG. We're about to enter the open mic uh, to get real again. Go to realsportsguys.com for all things RG. We'll be in the cipher uh, where we're talking about the theme of the show, of the show uh, game done change. Uh, we'll get a couple of topics. We'll be talking about what's happening in NFL, some of the latest stuff uh, happening in NFL um, and what's going on there um, uh, as part of that segment. But in our opening mic, we're going to hit a couple of things around the world of sports. Uh, we're gonna start with college football. Who's hot and who's not? Um, just in our early in our early um, uh, couple of weeks of the season, and so um, it's a segment where we'll talk about each of us will talk about whatever one or two teams that we think are hot, um, and then we'll come back with a couple of teams that we think are not. Um, I'll start out this segment with who I think is hot. It's just I'll, my theme is North Carolina Tar Heels and Mac Brown. Man. Mac Brown went back to North Carolina. Um, I remember when he was there before, um, one of my former teammates, uh, Danny Vulatis, played safety for him. I remember them playing against Oklahoma back in the day before he went on to take that, that Texas job. You know, Mac had built a program, went to Texas, you know, and, and uh, did some great things in Texas. And, uh, you know, uh, that kind of forcible retirement in the way that, that Texas kind of walked him out a little bit. Uh, and then you thought he was out of coaching. And then next thing you know, he's back at Carolina. And then opens up with a, a win against South Carolina, 
that kind of rivalry um, uh, early on in the season, uh, being the SEC team, um, and then you know, getting Miami. Um, and, you know, Mac is going to build a program. And when you think about the kind of recruitment that he can pull from that North Carolina, South Carolina space um, in terms of the talent that's around him um, and his ability because he coached at Texas to do some national recruiting, um, it's going to be interesting to see where that program is going. But just, you know, to be in 2-0 and out the gate when most people probably would have predicted they would have been 0-2 um, is, uh, is an amazing start. And then those LSU Tigers, they discovered the forward pass. After years and decades of playing the way they played, Joe Burrow passed for 471 yards and four touchdowns against the Longhorns in their backyard. Now, the defense played a little bit, gave us some big plays um, against the Longhorns. Uh, they gave up uh, some plays. But, you know, you think Dave Aranda, you know, the superstar defensive coordinator, former, former Badger defensive coordinator, um, will will write that ship. You know, LSU always is going to have a great defense. He'll write that ship. But the way their offense is playing, uh, the, the way they're attacking, and when you think about the receivers that, you know, uh, we just talked about Beckham and we're, we're going to refer to him in the watch and, and Landry and I mean, you can go to list and list of these, these LSU receivers who are in the league coming from a program that didn't throw the ball as much as they probably do. Now they're opening it up and you can see what happens when you have that kind of talent. Uh, so I think, you know, two teams that I think are hot out the gate, there's a couple other ones, including, you know, um, I think about what the Badgers are doing right now and a couple other teams you can name. But, you know, these two teams are just kind of, for different reasons, uh, have caught my attention. All right. Hank, who do you have? Well, you took one of mine because I, I sure was going to say LSU. But that had to be that game with Texas down there in, in Austin was probably one of the most exciting games uh, of the weekend. Uh, they was back and forth. It was it was uh, as good as advertised with two um, ranked teams playing each other, and they went after each other. And it's refreshing. It really is refreshing to see LSU, you know, come out of what they used to be. And, and you know, the, the narrative down there was that they had a forward passing game, that uh, uh, that they would they would be a national championship contender all the time. In fact, let me throw this at you. You know that uh, Burrow had thrown for more yards. Uh, the last quarterback at LSU to throw for that many yards. I don't know if you guys remember him. I know you remember Rohan Davey. Okay, mm. big big brother that was just chucking it down the yeah. field. Okay, and so it, so they're going to be fun to watch it for no other reason. You got to get somebody else to challenge Bama in the SEC. Okay, you you can't just be a foregone conclusion that that Georgia and Alabama plays you know, in the SEC championship game. So it was good as a breath of fresh air as far as I'm concerned, as far as from a competitive standpoint, that LSU, you know, is doing this thing. But the team that I want to say that's hot is right here in Big Ten country, okay, and it's over in it's in the DMV. You know, we're talking about the Maryland Terrapins. Mike Loxley is just taking that team, and he has just turned it all around. Josh Jackson, you know, the local native here from Saline. You know, the transfer from Virginia Tech, uh, they always had a fast team. You know, they always scared me as far as some of the talent that they had. But the fact that they went up against a ranked Syracuse team and just blew their doors off, you know, that's two weeks in a row that Maryland has scored over 60 points, 79 points the first week against Howard, which people kind of tossed off. But then, you know, you go against a ranked team, and Dino Babers is not a bad coach, and that Syracuse team you know, is going to try to make some hay. They got uh, um, Clemson this week, and they could and they could have been, 
you know, guilty of looking ahead. But you know, they got their heads taken off by by the terrorists. That that was that was a, a thorough thrashing, and and that team is going to be. And now they're ranked, and that's that's a team that's going to really open some eyes. They got to play both Michigan, uh, Penn State, and Ohio State this year. So watch out for Maryland. I, they 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 look really. Really, really good, and they scare me. I mean, they they scare me. I watched them last year. Again, a lot of speed, and now you've got an offense that you know here in Ann Arbor we was hoping we would see, but uh, you know Loxley is really doing the job. There's a lot of passion there, and the team now they got a big test. They go on the road for the first time against Temple, and so we'll see if they can do that again. Then that's a force to be reckoned with. All right. All right, we got those two, Maryland and uh, LSU, a couple LSUs up there. Uh, who, who do you have? Who do you have, Darnell? That's hot. All right, so I have two teams and one player, right? So um, my two teams that are uh, rolling are going to be the exact same that um, Hank said, LSU, um, because, you know, they got Juggler Joe, Joe Burrow, making plays downfield that you haven't really seen in um, – the past LSU quarterbacks, and also you have um, a secondary that was challenged a lot, but you still have a lot of young talent on there. You have uh, guys like Derrick Stingley Jr., you have Christian Fulton, you have guys like, um, which one I think, uh, Grant Delpit. Um, so they're gonna, they're the team that's really um, – they have the the best win. I'm saying they have the best win out of any team thus far in college football. And um, the other team I'm going to go with Maryland. Maryland, their offense high powered. They have that coach from Alabama that came over. Um, and the player I was going to say was Jalen Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. It seems like he is poised to be the next in line mm-hmm. for the Heisman Trophy, just like Baker Mayfield and um, Kyler Murray before him. This guy is. He's putting up ridiculous numbers, and the system seems to be really working for him. And he's a, a, a he's a mature quarterback. I'm not sure if he's in his fourth or fifth year in college, but he that seasoning is showing. So um, he is on fire, and he's on pace to be uh, a Heisman Trophy candidate. That's a good good point. Uh, that's, thanks for that little ripple. Yeah, I think I think you're right on. Uh, Jalen Hurst and, and um, as being a higher player and just kind of transitioning in and immediately, you know, endearing himself to his team and and you can see they rally around him and just the way they play um, uh, with him. I think the leadership that he brings in addition to how he's playing um, has said everything about it. You can tell like the, everybody around that program really loves having him lead that team. Um, let's talk about who's not. Hank, I'll let you go. Who, who who's not? How okay, let me tell you who's not. And, and 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 I want I want you to think about this as I say this. Okay, you're not going to get what you think you're going to get. Okay. Okay. You're not going to get what you think you're going to get because as much as us around here wants to raise all kind of hell about what happened on Saturday between Michigan and and uh, the Army, uh, Michigan is two and zero. The team that's not hired is the Tennessee Volunteers. Okay, now why I bring up now they're zero and two, and their two losses are abysmal. Okay, because both of their losses were at home. I think they lost the first game to like Georgia State or Georgia Southern, whatever. It wasn't the Bulldogs. Then they're winning the game against BYU at home. 
They got a fourth and whatever BYU does. The guy chucks the, the quarterback chucks the ball up, uh, finds a receiver down the field by himself, and if he was fast at all, they lose that game. They end up losing the game anyway in overtime. Okay, this is the Tennessee Volunteers. This is the Tennessee Volunteers that, and I'm going to say this to all these fans who've got coaches that their teams are respectable. They got teams that are good, that 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 can contend every year. This team won a national championship earlier than Michigan. They won one in '98. They have a Heisman Trophy winner. Okay, oh no, they didn't have a Heisman Trophy. They had a Heisman Trophy runner-up, Peyton Manning. They had a very, very rich football tradition. Okay, they've fallen on hard times, very hard times. They're 0-2 in a very strong league, the SEC. No chance of winning nothing, okay? This is the Tennessee Volunteers. You know, they got the University of Chattanooga this week. If they don't win this game for whatever reason, they could go 0-4, okay, in the SEC. Uh, Tennessee, think about the Rocky Top. This is who Michigan was battling for the largest stadium in college football. Be careful what you ask for when they come talking about changing coaches and et cetera. Because I tell you right now, I don't ever want to be Tennessee. Amen. Damn. One of the reasons when people talk about the SEC, you know, and it's like it's really about these top three teams who've been consistent. Um, because a lot of these other teams have been volatile. The SEC East. SEC East has been garbage for a long time. Yes, they have. And, and, and people talk about the strength of their conference. It's really about, you know, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, consistently. And you'll add a couple pieces here and there, top-heavy, dominant. But the rest of them have been so volatile. And Tennessee is a great example of that volatility, um, along with um, uh, South Carolina, volatile. Um, like, a lot of these teams have been volatile. Florida, volatile. You know, uh, Georgia's A&M. big game. You know, um, you, you know, it, it's there's a lot of volatility and with dominance at the top. And you know, when I hear all these other SEC teams talking about who they are, I'm like, y'all, Kentucky, y'all just now made it to whatever. Don't stop talking. You know, it's it's these top teams, the work that and what was Alabama before Saban got there. You know, Saban's responsible for really for two programs turning around. LSU was struggling until Saban got there. Exactly. Alabama was struggling. Then you talk about Urban Meyer at Florida yeah, um, uh, as well. So, I mean, you can really link it down to, like, three coaches who have kind of held the brand uh, for the SEC. But everybody else has kind of been riding the coattails. And people have not understood Tennessee, who, was, who nationally growing up most of our time watching, particularly, you know, uh, through the 90s, uh, in whatever was a dominant program with, like, dominant players coming out of there. Like, in exactly. ways you see, like, Clemson and Tennessee. And, like, so when you say you don't ever – yeah, people need to watch what they're they, they talking about, how fast they want to push a coach out. Um, because Let me, let me be say this, because see, here's, here's what you see, okay? Yeah. You go back to when they won the national championship in 98, Okay. And Fulmer was their was their coach, all right. And then after that, they've been like doing this carousel of coaches to try to get it going. Now, see, once upon a time, you know, people who don't really pay a whole lot of attention to SEC football, Tennessee 
is one of those teams that got they've got several rivalries. Okay, they they've got the Tennessee Florida rivalry. You know, they've got several rivalries in the SEC, just like other schools. All right, they've got a huge tradition, Rocky Top, that whole thing. Okay, and they are irrelevant in the SEC right now. Absolutely irrelevant. Nobody's talking about them. They better win because they're not going to win. Okay, they've got. And, and here's the thing: once you lose like that in, in the college game, your recruiting suffers. Which helps, and your player development suffers, all right. And and now you don't have the players to try to build that program back up. This is so important because you're talking about, and and, and the reason why you know you make the emphasis when you're talking about who's not is because when you start seeing major programs fall, they don't get back up right away. So just because it took you, you know, fail to rock bottom, you're not, you may not come back. You know, in three years, and four years, and five years, depending upon how far you've fallen, this was going to be one we can watch because this team is is on is in rock bottom. Let's see how long it takes for uh, Tennessee to come back, and they've been in rock bottom now for several years. Yeah, and if any indication, Tennessee fans, of where you are is the fact that you had to go to like your eighth person on your list for your coach. So you need to you need to figure out how to stick with Pruitt, no matter what's happening. You got to have continuity. Great program, right. continuity and patience. And you get patience. You're not going to get it right away. You got to realize you're not who you think you are. You are exactly. who your record you are, and what your record's been. And so you either can humble yourself and build over time, and that's where Fulmer is going to have to be the person at the gate pushing them as they're coming to the gate with all the. the <laughs> well, you know how they're doing stuff. They're going to come to the gate with them flames and everything else, try to push that thing down, knock that thing down, and take over. You're going to have the big boosters and everybody else trying to put their two cents in. And he's going to, have to be strong enough to say, "Look, we got to stick with a plan because we are not who we think we are. We got to build. We got to we got to let people know. Part of recruiting is knowing that somebody's going to be there. And right. if it's Jerry Pruitt, then the people got to, these high school coaches and folks got to know he's going to be there. They're not going to commit to sending players to a place that they think not, the coach is not going to stay. And so, you know, that's the only way you can rebuild it. You can't. You hey, can't are you listening now? There's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts to this. All right, youngin, who you got? Who's not? Wait a minute. You're telling me Tennessee won a national championship in football? Yes, they did. 1998. I know. 19, I, I know. I was just. I was just. Yeah, you're you're, you're still in probably, so but they they won it. Trust me, I'm telling you. This, this is so great so because that's this is so, Yes. Right. This yeah. is so Darnell. With this, this is why it's important to have you because in your perspective. Tennessee is who they are. They've always been. Like, you don't see Tennessee that way, do you? I don't. I don't see Tennessee as a great program. I just – one thing you know about Tennessee is Peyton Manning. Pretty much, that's it. And Peyton Manning, he was in the Heisman Trophy race when I was, like, one years old. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, it's, so Tennessee being good has been far away. We, they had Arian Foster for, like, a few years. Yeah, maybe Eric Berry for a little while, but they're not necessarily a top program of our eyes, I guess. I love your perspective. So, so who's not? Who's not? Chip Kelly and the UCLA Bruins. Amen. This team is Amen. Not the Chip. This is not a Chip Kelly football team. I don't understand. Like oh, I watch, oh. I watch them play a couple of times, and they do not resemble any of the teams I've seen him. Has in Oregon, any chance he had, and even in the NFL when they say he is underachieved with um, the Philadelphia Eagles, they still don't look as good as they did 
um, on that level. Like, I don't know if it's going to take years or to gel or recruiting-wise or what's going on, but they have to get it together. So UCLA is a team that's definitely not hot right now. And um, the other team I was going to say is Tennessee, of course, but you already got Tennessee here. They can't they, – they, they paid uh, – what was that first team they, they lost to? Georgia, they, um, they, they, Georgia Southern or something like that. Georgia State. Yeah, they pay they pay Georgia State like a hundred thousand dollars, something like that, to come in and beat them. So that that explains it for itself. <laughs> wow. You got you got to throw an honorable mention out there though for Florida State. Okay. Well, I, Florida State won. Oh, so, so let me go. Let me go. Let me go. Go. Before you I'm sorry. I'm about to give you an opportunity to comment on that. My two teams, I'll start with the one, Florida State. Willie Tiger, man, I know they say you the lost Harbaugh, son. You're about to go find them if you don't start winning quickly. Um, you know, they lost to Boise State out the gate, but they only beat, and then their second game, they played Louisiana Monroe. They beat them 45-44. That's really a loss when you're Florida Right, State. right. That's a loss. That's, yeah, I'm not going to give you credit for that one. And then you got to play Virginia. You got to play Louisville, who looks like they're flying around. Uh, and like none of these games before their bye week is winnable at this point. Um, and so, you know, Willie Tiger, they need to. He needs to have a good weekend. He needs to win this Virginia game, and he needs to win this Louisville. I mean, he needs to win all these games before the bye week, because then he got Clemson, and that could be that could be the game you get fired in, because right. they beat you, because you playing at Clemson. And if they beat you, you they might not let you on the plane. You know how they did your boy out of USC. They might not let him. They might not let you on the plane, brother. That they have like it, it's 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 an attitude thing. You know they got talent. Their offensive line is not blocking. They're, they're, this is where you build a program. You got to get the right assistance. Like it can't just be about you, Willie. Like you got to be a CEO, brother. And you you got to start up front. You got to start. You know you don't have talent. You better have a good defensive line coach and a good offensive line coach. You got to start there. You know you have skill players, but if you can't control the line of scrimmage where you playing, you in trouble. And they constantly struggle to control the line of scrimmage. So that's my that's my one thing. So I, that's why I didn't let you go on that one. And the other one's Miami. And I got to say this because I was the big you know person for Manny, and I'm not you know they should have beat Florida. They should have beat Florida, but mm-hmm. Florida lost. Kill me. It's the North Carolina loss. You can't, wow. yeah, that yeah. Was, that hurt. you can't lose to Carolina. Now you go zero and two. You got a loss in, not only in conference in your in your I believe in your division. So you know, yeah, you go play Bethune Cookman in Central Michigan. I just saw them up here against the Badgers. The Badgers crushed them. They might not be okay right now because they still recover from the Badgers. You don't get a real <laughs> another another test. To really understand what you can do until after your bye week, you play Virginia Tech, and then you got Virginia, and, and so they have time to write this ship. But but Miami, this is not the Miami I was expecting to, to, to see, uh, specifically especially defensively. I thought if nothing else, they would they would they would be able to hold. They'd have a top, you know, five defense and be able to hold while the offense would grow. I'm not seeing what I need to need to see. You know, he's not in trouble. You know, he'll be okay getting through this year. But, you know, I expected them to be a nine, maybe ten. They could win ten games, which, you know, they're going to have to fight. Um, and that loss to Carolina, I think, was just a loss they 
shouldn't have that, at this point in their program they shouldn't take. Even though Mac Brown is masterful, you know he knows how to be. A, he's a great tactician. He knows how to motivate. That's a game you got to win. Um, in the Florida game, you should be two and zero, oh, truthful, but they're zero and two. So uh, Miami and I think we, we found some really good teams. Y'all did a good job of that. With the short notice, y'all guys were off the off the off the hinge on that. All right, we're gonna go into what I think is an interesting conversation before we get into the cipher. Our cipher again is the game done change. We'll get into that. Talking about some NFL talk that'll that'll happen here uh, uh, here pretty quickly. Uh, we'll get into that. But um, wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the national team. You know, is the national uh, program in trouble? Is it kind of like, you know, you know I'm a Rocky fan. Is it kind of like when Drago was exposed? I love in the corner, he's like, he's a human, he's a man. He's a, whatever he was saying when he, when he cut him, you know, they realized that these guys aren't who they already are. You know, Kobe came out recently. He came out here right after the recent loss and said that the world is caught up to the U.S. and we just have to get used to winning some, losing some. What's your thought about where our national program is based on their performance at best? They'll probably get what sixth place with this, which is the worst. Seventh um, place. Seventh place is it? They're not. Oh, yeah, yeah they, they're they playing for seventh place seventh, right now. Yeah, seventh place, which is the worst they can be. I mean, this is this this is the problem. So, what what what's your thoughts? I'll start with you. I'll start with you, uh, 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 Darnell. Get your perspective. Yeah. Oh man, I've been trying. To, I've been wanting to talk about the uh, Olympic team for well, not Olympic team, but the FIBA game for a minute. But um, this team. I, I I disagree with Kobe when he says um the the European teams are catching up this like that much. I do agree that they are catch um the gap is closing and that is a fact. But um you gotta realize we did bring um our C team C um either C or D team actually with the players that were out there. But um still there's no real excuse um, they lost back-to-back games against um, Serbia, as I said before the tournament. I told you Serbia was going to be a problem, but I thought Serbia would win the tournament. But they got upset by Argentina and Luis Scola, out of all people. Luis Scola did it again yesterday. That's my to, man. Um, the French team. So That's Luis right. Scola, I'm surprised he could still ball, but um, yeah. they lost to France and um, Serbia back-to-back to. Two decent teams, but two teams like the U.S. is winning against as well. But um, the gap is closing, but I don't think it's all the way closed. Because if we if we bring if we bring Kawhi Leonard and you know guys like Kawhi, Carl Anthony Towns, Paul George, those guys out, then we should be able to win pretty handily. So that's my take yeah. And that. I think you make some really good points. And I, I had as I was thinking about this before I go to Hank. Um, there's a couple things that I kind of uh, summarized a little bit when I, as I was watching this. Um, a couple of effects. One is what I call the Paul George effect. I think when Paul took that fall, you know, uh, as they were preparing for the Olympics, and you just see the devastation on it, I think the proximity of particularly the world championships to the start of the season um, amplified that effect in ways that I don't think it'll do for the Olympics. So to me, the question is really about how we, how we want to perform in the world championships, less the Olympics. I think the Olympics will, will always get the best players because these kids, these guys are so brand conscious. You can't have a better stage. 
a global stage in the Olympics, which means we'll always have really good players uh, playing on the Olympic team. Where I think it's going to be more of an issue where people gain confidence, and the key, the key is you don't want people gaining any confidence, is in the World Championship model, the FIFA model, where um, it's the, where it's located. Our ability to build a kind of squad and the incentives to have people play is always going. To, so we got to figure out how to have a combination of maybe some top college because it's not about skill level; it's about people ability to adjust to the style. And you could have some of your top college players mixing with some pros in a way and still have, a, I think, a really good team. And so how you build that team is, is different. And I think Colangelo's got to think differently about that a little bit. The other thing I call is the Coach K effect. Um, I think college coaches, and I think what made Coach K effective is that he's neutral. And I think this is under – I think this is under uh, – appreciated, under thought when you think about the Olympic program and how why it's been good, not just – his ability to engage with um, uh, the players without it being perceived as a, uh, uh, an effort to um, sway and build relationships in a way that you might have Popovich in because he's actually a member of the coaching community in the NBA, I think is underplayed a little bit. I think coach, I think the neutrality of a top coach like Coach K as a college coach coming together with this with uh, a mix of professional assistant coaches and uh, college coaches, I think, is a really good formula um, that I think people undervalue. College coaches also, I think, one of the things I think was a struggle, you talk about the players, but I also think it was a coaching issue, is college coaches, coaches face more gimmick defenses. So when you're playing against France and in, in, uh, 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 you, you have, uh, you know, one of the top shot blockers in the world, Gobert, standing in the middle of the lane, College coaches adjust to more things. They see triangle twos. They see all these different defenses. There's a way that they think about the game that I think professional coaches aren't always exposed to. And I think that's another value of having a college coach doing leading the strategy. Um, And then I think college coaches have much more of a talent development framework that I think is important when you think about the FIFA team. I think this is really more about the FIFA program and our approach to FIFA World Championships than it is the Olympics. Um, and I think you also got to think about skill over will. I think you got to get bigs. You, you got to think about a, a, a K Love uh, model. You got to find bigs who can shoot and rebound. Like they, they're kind of those kind of cats. You got to find your Kevin Love type bigs uh, uh, when you play an international ball to pull those bigs out of the lane so that you can you can open the lane up for your other players. And then the other thing I think is important that other teams do a better job is they appreciate the aging stars. The fact that uh, they did not allow Carmelo to play is, I think, an issue. I think Carmelo could have helped him here because you can play him in a lot of different ways, and he understands international basketball. He's got so much exposure to it that he's good in those important times when you're helping, you know, people who haven't had as much exposure to playing in this space. You know, to not have Carmelo on there in ways that um, you watch other programs um, you almost have to push their aging stars out. Even when they're not, uh, you know, uh, significant players in the NBA, they're always welcome on their national teams. And I think, you know, in a, in a, in a space like the FIFA one especially, having some aging stars who can still somewhat play like Carmelo and some others who are still looking to get that look, that, that space, be in that space, is an important part. So th- those are the things that I saw here that I think are really important uh, kinds of things to think about. All right, Hank. 
Listen, I think you make great points. I, I think you're making great points about coaching. Um, I think you're making great points about, um, you know, the, the international game. However, it just appears to me that the United States and the NBA as a whole just do not take these world championships seriously. If I recall, several years ago they lost and came in third. They had Shaq on the team. I mean, they were too busy partying and having a good time versus trying to win the, 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 the world championships. And I think that that's what this is. You don't get to see your marquee players. And the other piece, too, I want us to really pay close attention to is the the, the, the timing of the world championships, especially coming right off of the long NBA season and the, and, and the players that you really uh, legitimately want to play on these teams. These players are playing, you know, late into May and June, you know, depending upon where their teams go. Uh, for, you know, in, in the playoffs. And now you've got you a short turnaround. You don't have any recovery time. And now you're back. You're playing in the world championships. World championships are playing now. And lo and behold, what happens in a couple of weeks? Training camp for the NBA. So you don't get a lot of the players that you want to have play in these. And then you have to ask the, the players who want to play with in it, uh, is this something that, that you are really going balls to the wall to try to win? Or is this just an extended training camp for you to work on some things? Because when you got professional players, this obviously isn't their bread and butter. This is, you know, the world championship so the United States could field a team. And that's the way I kind of look at it because, and I think the other countries, and rightfully so, you know, put a little bit more emphasis into it because, of course, you want to beat the United States. Of course, you want to go out there and win the world championship with them competing. You don't care who the players are individually, but this is the United States. This is professional athletes, and you want to go out there and you want to, you know, make your stamp on it to take them out. I think I think you see that now even more so with the other countries. And you're absolutely right. They're going to use their veterans more so because they know that they have the experience to play against that caliber of talent. So I so I, I think all of that is true, but 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 it's just but it's not lost on me that when we get around to the Olympics, all of these players are more than willing to make that sacrifice of trying to win a gold medal because there's a lot that goes on to it, especially the exposure, especially what they can do with it, especially how they can parlay that into endorsements. It's all about money as far as that's concerned, anyway. But I think that you know that with these. You just don't see, first of all, you don't see the the best players come out and want to play in these things. And then you have to really ask yourself, what sort of effort, as I stated before, are they putting into it, knowing that training camp is coming in a couple of weeks, and I'm really out here to try to work on my game and do whatever else I can do to try to parlay that possibly into my next contract. And I think, you know, but you still can get the Lou Williams type, and those cats can ball in this space. You, you can still get Steph Brothers. I mean, those guys can ball in this space. So I also think that it's not always about uh, getting the best players. It's, it's about I, I agree, the best but, but listen of, to what you just said, okay? You got those kind of – and they're going to do it. They're going to work on their game. Steph's brother is working on his next contract. A lot of yes. people didn't even know that he could ball like that if you were, unless you was watching the NBA all the time. You know, until you saw him in the, in the playoffs and what kind of impact he could have on another team. So those kind of players, absolutely they're going to come out there and they're going to try to get themselves together. 
But I'm talking about as far as the team concept and, and, and trying to go out there and win the world championship. I don't know if yeah. that level of, of emphasis is there for those players. No, but you, when you got – I think some of those guys who are that next year guy, if you sell it to them right, going to come out. It's a great opportunity for them to showcase because they don't have that kind of limelight. And I think – and I don't think you just need um, – NBA players, I think you can have some of the high-level college players. It, 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 in the international ball, it's just about finding out. I wish they would. Nah, it, it won't can, work. I think it will. We, we, our, our, our youngins were competing pretty good when we were doing college guys when, when they were all playing professional. So I, I'm saying that I'm saying that it's a, it's a style game. We're losing the people, mm-hmm. we're losing the people who are, who are um, not as talented, but they know how to play in a system. It's not talent, it's system. And so the guys who know how to play in systems are guys like Lou Williams. They know what systems are. You know, these other guys who don't, who are, who are, when you get Jason and you get some of these other guys out here, they are the system. When you, if you, you can use the world championships as your developmental space because it's never going to be a high priority for your top players. But if you, if, but because you use it that way, you can get those guys together sooner and longer. Because they have an interest in doing it, you got to change. I think it's a real conversation about how you choose to, you, you treat the world championship rather than the overall. The Olympics is a totally different thing. We gonna because we gonna really see when you start putting the, the squad together that they got. When you start putting AD on there, you start putting those cats on the on the. It's that's gonna be a totally different team that that you're gonna see playing in the, in the Olympics. But I think where we have to begin to focus on is those other competitions. The ones that's kind of focused on North America, uh, the, the, uh, when we're talking about the world championship, FIFA, that that's where we got to have a different strategy, have a talent development strategy that can can be at a high level. That, that's what I'm saying. And I think once you start going after these high athletes, big time athletes, they start turning you down. That's where the second tier guys start. And you got to go get Carmelo. If Carmelo wants to play, let him play. He he has been a an international basketball killer. Like if you're talking about performance. Nobody's performed better than Carmelo internationally. He, he just he just knows how to, that, that style of game works for him. You can't say no to him. They would say they wouldn't say no to uh, Manu, would they? No. So why are we saying no to, to Carmelo? Again, I think when you start saying stuff like that, again, you you. See, we can go back to the conversation we had about Carmelo potentially being blackballed by the league. You know, yeah. it's real funny to me that he's out there and he's not playing in that either. And see, if that's an extension of the NBA, then let the conspiracy uh, theorists, let, let let them have the floor. That's it. All right, when we come right back, we're going we're to take a break, come back, we're going to enter the cipher. Yes, the game done changed.
All right. You you listed one mic on the RSG platform. Again, go to realsportsguys.com for everything RSG. Uh, We talked about a lot of stuff. We just finished up uh, the the open mic. We're about to enter the cypher um, and the theme of the cypher, which is the theme of the show, the game done changed. We're talking about things that looked like they were going one way, they came back the other way, things, assumptions we were making, what was going on here in this early part of this NFL season, and you know where we're going with this one thing. You know, Antonio Brown found himself in a, you know, in a, in, in a, in another controversy after he, he's running through his backyard celebrating that he was released from the Raiders, and then bam, you know, radio, radio report from Monday night, and then things just happen. Report comes out about alleged sexual assault, and now all this stuff going up to Monday night uh, with the with the with the Patriots uh, is uh, up in the air. A lot of stuff is going on. Looks like he's going to play. A lot of new chatter. He's on Instagram. The game done changed. We were talking about well, the Steelers are are, are how they feeling now. The Patriots come, and then another controversy comes. Uh, Bill Belichick doesn't want to talk about it at the podium. You know, guys, I don't want to adjudicate the case, the alleged sexual assault. What I want to talk about is just your overall view, uh, if you're the Patriots, how you see this um, in terms of where the league is uh, on this, uh, but just Antonio um, and um, this whole idea of there's a slippery slope when it's all about your brand, um, uh, when these things uh, start to just pile it up. You know, Hank, I know you always got something to say, so I'm going to let you start out there. I'll go to Darnell to bring us the new school perspective. Okay, well, okay, in a, in a nutshell, A.B. is a basket case, okay? That boy, he, he's about he's about as uh, sharp as a bag of wet mice. I don't understand what he's doing, okay? Um, the timing of his alleged uh, sexual assault is, is kind of interesting to me uh, when it came out. But the thing is, is like what I don't understand is he raises all of this hell in Pittsburgh, right? He calls Ben Roethlisberger a racist, all right, and they get rid of him, they release him. So then he goes to Oakland. Oakland signs him with all of this incentive-laden money. He don't want to come to camp. He don't want to come to practice, all right. Uh, he he's saying he's working his tail off, all right. But then he gets into it with Mike Mayock. The, the the GM calls him a cracker, loses his mind because he suspends him because he's not showing up. All right, he's under contract, and then you know he apologizes to the team, crying and etc. Then he goes back and he records Gruden in a conversation. Then when he realizes that he's gonna his money has been suspended, then he wants his release. So then he gets his release. Now he's dancing and playing and acting silly. All right, then he signs with the Patriots. Then when he signs with the Patriots, then here comes a sexual assault. I don't know. Okay, there's an awful lot of baggage there. Now, he's very, very, very talented. Okay, Drew Rosenhaus, uh, who is his agent, who, by the way, was the same agent that Terrell Owens had. Drew Rosenhaus, they ought to call him Squirrel because he get all the nuts. He really do. He get all the nuts. I don't understand this about these prima donna wide receivers. Uh, the thing is about it, though, with the Patriots, the Patriots going to have a very short leash with him, as talented as they are. Now, Randy Moss went to New England, and, you know, Randy Moss was supposed to have been a bad boy, but Randy Moss toned it down 
when he got to corporate America in Boston and, and, and had one of the best seasons that he had with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Is Antonio Brown mature enough to do that? I don't know. I haven't seen it. You can say whatever you want to say about Moss, but Moss never did anything this crazy. This young man on, on the surface has cost himself tons of money, tons of money, okay? And, now, and he's also being labeled as a bad teammate. All right, that's not good to have. Those are two... Those are those those are two labels in the NFL that you can't have. You can't be stupid and cost yourself money, and then also be considered a bad teammate, being a selfish teammate. Okay, you can be a prima donna, but put it but, but put it together on the field. But when you won't even practice with your team, he's practicing with the Patriots right now. Okay, and, and everything is pending with this assault. And, and and just keep in mind with this assault thing, it's not a criminal charge; it's a civil charge. Okay, which which also gives you a whole lot of questions there. If it was as bad as it was all that, why didn't it go to court? But we can talk about that on another day. But as far as A.B. is concerned, I, the, the odds should be how long does he stay with the Patriots? Does he really shut his mouth, get his job done, and become that receiver that we was all crazy about in Pittsburgh, or does he become what he's been, what we've seen in the last eight to ten months? Stay tuned. All right, Darnell, what say you? I don't even know where to start. Well, I'm going to start from, I guess, the beginning of the Antonio Brown Raiders saga. So, Antonio Brown, he seems like he's doing, he seemed like he was doing one thing after another thing to not play football. um, So, and that, i say, like a week or so ago, I was thinking, I, I thought to myself, I was thinking, maybe Antonio Brown really is going through some mental health issues. Maybe he is, like, mentally ill. So I didn't really want to make fun of him or something like that. But when the, when that new video came out, when he got traded, made, um, it rose, like, it definitely rose some, um, um, ideas that maybe he planned this out, like it was some sort of master plan or something like that to get himself with the Patriots. Because you look back to last year when he was um, requesting a trade, he wanted to go to the Patriots. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, of course, uh, refused um, to trade him there because why would they trade him to the Patriots and help their their enemy? So um, maybe he did, maybe he was trying to. Um, find his way onto the Patriots roster, but um, that's on the football side of it. But the more serious side of it is the sexual assault um, allegation. And this, the timing of it, all of the things surrounding of it is very, is very, um, how do I say this? Um, very questionable. Um, it happens like the week, um, pretty much the day after, almost the day after he got signed to the Patriots, this came out. And not only that, it came out um, the 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 accused uh, the accuser for this crime. They said um, this weekend she's having a wedding, right? She's getting married. So the timing is very uh, interesting, and there's also been a leak. Um, 
a leaked like email. I think it was like a leaked email from the accuser to Antonio Brown talking about how oh um, how um, she owns him now and she's gonna ruin his life and she's gonna come and she's coming after his money and stuff like that. So uh, I don't necessarily know if this if this is true. I hope it's not true. Uh, because of course I do I don't wish for anybody to be a victim of sexual assault. But um we'll got to see how it plays out. But it's uh, not a good situation to say the least. Yeah, and when I when I I watched this, you know what brought clarity to me about what's happening with him? Is watching the thirty for thirty on Rodman. Watching the thirty for thirty on Rodman. If you know Antonio Brown's story about, I mean, the way in which he had to live growing up and just some of the things that some of the tough things that I think he's shared this about upbringing, everything else. I think all this stuff, when you think if you had a chance to watch the, the 30 for 30 on Rodman, there's a way he's ho- trying to hold on to power resource choice that seems irrational to other folks that was part of his growing up and survival. And he don't realize he ain't still fighting. Worst case scenario, he's always in the wrong place. At the, he's in the wrong place uh, 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 at the wrong time. You know, whatever happened in this scenario. You know, this is someone he knew in college. This is something we're going on. Um, for a lot of sexual assault victims, it takes a while to even come to terms to be able to come out and to have these conversations. So I always are reluctant to talk about timing issues just because – when you know who you're dealing with, that means you're going to be in the limelight and just being able, sometimes the best time to do it is when it's hottest because that person's um, uh, 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 willingness to counter you in a way that could be damaging physically, whatever, is probably lower because of the visibility of it. <laughs> you know, they're going to act right you know, versus when it ain't hot. And so, Timing stuff I always kind of stay away from when it comes to these kind of issues. I let the courts and everybody else work that out. But from him, I watched the Robin 30 for 30. I was struck by the way in which our past still informs our decision-making and we can never break out of it, whether it's poverty, whatever. These things, you know, that social capital, knowing how to network, how to win them, do this. That's why having people around you who have a strong personality is important, right? It's, it's like you you make those decisions. You hang, you know this with the group we hang with. Somebody going to pull your collar. <laughs> you, know, mm-hmm. you know, Darnell start messing up. We're going to tap him on the shoulder. Right, uh, hold right. Young, you know, hey, that's not where you're going. Darnell know that, you know, and I don't see anybody around him. So when your best friend is your agent like Drew, you in trouble. Because not to right, say Drew is right. not a good guy, but that ain't, that ain't who Drew is. Like, you got to have people around you who 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 tell you to settle the hell down. So one thing I could say about, even about, uh, I can appreciate about LeBron and his group around, like, they're not, they don't, they're not the kind of cats. People see it on the surface, but you could tell they challenge you enough to keep their stuff straight. And I don't see that around him. And I, I worry about that when you don't have those kind of people around you. Um, and and I think that's all a part of this. And, you know, he don't have nobody tugging his shoulder, you know, or whatever. So I think it's just spiraled, right? And he also came to to the top of his game in Pittsburgh at a time when people like Paula Miles and the leadership of that locker room was retiring. 
like the kind of people who would tap you on the shoulder were like exiting stage left. He would pull somebody over to the side and say, so he had this window where he was kind of growing in his own personality. But when I watched, when I watched, um, when I watched Robin's 30 for 30, it started to make me think about why he's behaving the way he's behaving and why he says the same thing he says about people coming after me. And, you know, he uses the religious undertones about um, explaining his situation. Um, in ways that if me and you were around him, we would say, hold up, fool. Uh, this ain't how it works. But he ain't got nobody around him saying that. But it sounds to me, though, D, is that even those that's around him that's trying to guide him, he throws them under the bus. Okay? I, it, it just seems to me, just, just with the last couple of coaches, it seemed to me But they don't like, have those kind of relationships because he don't trust them. He He sees them as yeah. doing that for their own benefit. He read that game. That's street game. That's street game. Yeah. We all got to, you know, I love you, Gruden, but I know what you're trying to do. So I'm not trusting you either. Like, you and I wouldn't trust that conversation, right? Because right? Right, right. it's really about me producing for you and your, and your $100 million, right? That's not about about you caring about me. You know, the, probably the one that hurt the most is probably Tomlin because Tomlin was probably that guy. Tomlin right. was that guy. Now, that I was, I was getting to that. But, 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 yeah. but then I have to so, go all the way back to, like, even when he was at Central. Yep. You know, who did he talk to back then? I mean, and did any of those people advise him, or did he even himself think that he was going to blow up to be not Antonio Brown but A.B.? You know, and sometimes you, what happens with a lot of these athletes and even entertainers is they take on that persona of of, of that character and they lose themselves. So instead of being Antonio Brown, he becomes A.B., and whoever A.B. is – you know, is is almost incorrigible, depend. You know, uh, you know, in compared to who he used to be, and money does that, fame does that. You know, the fact that that his that his departure from Pittsburgh and how that whole thing went down, that thing was ugly and it didn't need to be. And so now, what you see is just an extension of that. And now that he's away from that Pittsburgh, and dare I say, some of that Pittsburgh discipline that he's lost his mind. And so now he goes to New England. Like I said, what I call, uh, you know, the NFL's corporate America. And he's going to have to straighten up because they don't they don't have to put up with him. Mm-hmm. Well, he's going he to figure that. He's going to figure it out. Well, we're going to keep our eye on this. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, we know the game doesn't change for him. So we know that. We know that's true. All right, the Browns, who was the media darling for going to see. I'm wearing my watch. Everybody wearing the watches, doing all that, had all the words to say. Everybody in the roster has something to say uh, before the game. And then the Titans came to town. And the Titans basically said, they are who D. Will said they were. <laughs> right. That's, that's, that's what he said. After 18 penalties and three turnovers and a subpar performance, even by their defense, as, as well as Baker, you know, uh, you know, they – Titans beat them up, pushed them around. What do you, what do you think, Hank? I'll start with you and go to and, and, and then go to Darnell. What do you what do you, where do you, where do you think the Browns go from here? They got they got uh, a game coming against the Jets. Jets gonna be playing without uh, without Sam, so you know they got they got a benefit there. But you know you never know. Um, what, what do you what do you where you think you can go? You already got. Uh, Odell coming out talking about the defensive coordinator, former defensive coordinator for um, the um, Cleveland Browns, uh, Greg Williams, about you know promoting cheap shots. 
Where do you think they go from here, man? Listen, this is what I was concerned about. When you have a rookie head coach, all right, we talked about this in, in, in our preview. When you got a rookie head coach and you got all of these personalities up in there and and you got to figure out a way to, 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 to keep them all on the same page, if you don't, you're just going to have a very talented team, but you're going to have an awful lot of chaos. There was no way, there was nothing that anybody seen in, in week one that told us that Cleveland was going to lose to Tennessee. Okay? Let's just go by what we know. We know that we thought that Mariota was shaky. Okay? We said this. We said that uh, we was concerned about the offensive line. We thought Cleveland was going to be too talented. We thought Baker Mayfield was the guy, yada, 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 yada. The one thing that we didn't understand what we was concerned with was this rookie head coach. And we saw it. Okay? You say what you want to about Mike Vrabel. But Vrabel knows how to coach. And his team came ready, and they and they whooped Cleveland's butt. Cleveland is in trouble. Okay, this is going to, to me. This this has all the makings of a major league collapse because you, they did not start off well. Okay, and it's going to get worse with all you got. You got you're going to have a lot of factions in that locker room. Baker Mayfield is going to have to take over the reins and be the leader right away. And if he doesn't play well, nobody's going to listen to them because because. Beckham Jr., Odell Beckham Jr., those guys are veterans. Okay, those are, they've been in the league a few years, but Baker's been here, what's his second, third year? They're not going to listen to him if he can't lead. Okay, and if the coach ain't got no no cachet, that's a problem. That's a big problem, especially when you got this much time. This is going to be fun to watch because this could turn real quick into one of the biggest soap operas in the NFL. Okay, and, and, uh, and and I was concerned about that, and now it looked like it could happen. And and and, and one more bad loss, and it's the same old Browns. Mm, mm, mm. Well, hey, they at least they're getting all the sound bites they want. They got it. They got a, a special uh, podcast segment on NFL uh, radio on uh, on Sirius. You know, they, everybody was trying to capture that that that, that dog pound mode, uh, but they came out and laid a dud on it. Uh, Darnell, I know you've been. Uh, I think you were uh, supportive of Cleveland and saw them as a team. That was, uh, you know, you had the you had the basketball hoop perspective. They put all the all stars okay. in the room. They're gonna make it happen. Uh, you know, where do you see them going from here? Oh, actually, I was supportive of both teams. The Tennessee Titans were my favorite yes. team in the AFC South, but um, the Cleveland Browns. It was a bad showing for them. They got to get it together, and I think they will. They've got to get time to jail together, and once they once they get it clicking, I think they're going to be they're still going to be a good football team. But they have a, their matchup this week should be a favorable one with the Jets, especially with um, Trevor Simeon <laughs> starting at quarterback. They should be uh they should hold them to at least they shouldn't score any more than two touchdowns. So um, I, I believe the Browns can win the next game. So it all starts. They got to take it one week at a time. So pretty much that's how it's going to have to go. I mean, they 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 they've been blessed. Sam Darnold got got Bono. I'm like, that feels middle school to me, high school to me. Like that's when you you heard people get Bono. I'm like, grown people get Bono. Like I always get nervous when grown people get mumps. I'm like, that is not a time to get mumps. You know, so that's the only person's disease where your body could do something. But when you get Bono, I'm just like, man, I felt like. I'm like I'm back at Slauson Junior High. I'm like, what's That's going funny. on with the mono? <laughs> I'm like, 
That's goodness. Baker must have gone to Miss Rudolph and play, prayed on something, put his feet you in something, something crazy. <laughs> put a spell on him. All right, you listen to the uh, one mic here on Real Sports Guys uh, platform. Please go to realsportsguys.com and catch this podcast and all the other podcasts. We're in the cipher. The game doesn't change. The last topic we'll cover here in, in this cipher for this uh, uh, for this uh, one, we got a couple ones we're gonna get. We're gonna leave for later on. Uh, is you know, in all of this, my Steelers. I'm going to say it like this. The guy smoked in Foxborough. I, I had a feeling they were going to not win that in Foxborough just because of um, the way the team was developing the youth in certain spots. But I, I didn't see that they were going to get smoked like this. And now you got people up here disrespecting Tomlin again, even though his winning percentage and his losses, a lot of losses come to Belichick, who's probably the greatest of all time as a coach. Um, but uh, a couple questions come up is, you know, will they make the playoffs? And there's been this ranking about where you rank Tomlin. I, I heard Will Kane with some ridiculous ranking on where he ranked Tomlin. Uh, but I was I was interested about where you guys rank Tomlin um, in terms of active coaches. Um, I have him at worst third or fourth, uh, depending on, you know, where you want to put Sean Payton and uh, John Harbaugh in terms of what they've been doing with coaching. You know, bringing people like McVay and these guys in here, I, I don't I'm, – I'm, I'm like, you got to give me a little bit more evidence about where you're at. Doug Peterson, you know, you've been you, – you you slumped up and down. Tomlin has not had a losing season. Like, some of these guys have had a losing season. Don't give me Andy Reid. He's lost more big games than anybody. But I hear arguments about he was able to build two organizations. Andy Reid has consistently lost big games. Uh, uh, and, and, and against – in times you haven't done it. We can go back to Don McMahon years. So we want to – I want to get a little opinion on that, um, about that. But just – where you see these 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 Steelers are and what this conversation is going on. I'll I'll start with you, Darnell, because I know you want to. I know you want a couple hot takes. Kick, kick a brother what about you down. The yeah. <laughs> Man, uh, the Steelers. First of all, they made the. I, I'm very high on the Patriots' defense, but the Steelers made their defense look like the 2002 Bucks or the 05 <laughs> Ravens or something, man. They were uh, – Ben Roethlisberger had that confused look on his face like, where where, where did Antonio Brown go? Where did Le'Veon Bell go? I don't know what's going on right now. You got um that one receiver – I forgot his name. He hurt his finger, but he said, I got to keep playing because uh, Big Ben needs me. And uh, they got to right the ship. But um looks like the Ravens are going to be in a very good spot. Coming up, I guess. All right, Hank, where you at? Listen, um, I don't think that that was an indictment at all against the Steelers. More, I thought it was was uh, it was 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 what the New England Patriots look like. The Patriots look like a well-oiled machine. Okay, they look dangerous. They look scary. All right, on on both sides of the ball. Sometimes you could just say they were meh, but they look solid, and that's scary. They look like that team that went eighteen and zero, okay, before the Super Bowl. That's what they look like to me. I don't take nothing away from the Steelers and Tomlin. Tomlin has, like you said, that's a solid team. But there's other teams around them right now that arguably look better. I don't think anybody saw Lamar Jackson losing his mind like he did on Sunday. I don't think we thought that was that that we was going to see the Louisville Lamar Jackson, okay, in the NFL. 
and we did. And that changes the dynamic of what the Ravens look like. The New England Patriots look better than advertised. Okay? That should not that doesn't mean that the Steelers aren't a good team. I think the Steelers are still very solid, okay, but they started on the road against the Super Bowl champions. They had all that hype and stuff going on. That's hard for anybody to do. Okay? They came out with blood in their eyes, but they but but, but Belichick knows how to get his team ready. Okay, I think you just watch the Steelers. The Steelers are a team. You can sleep on them if you want to. But like I told you, I think they're very solid. I think they're going to make a playoff push. But the, like, I, like, like I had initially picked the Ravens to win that division uh, until I saw the Steelers. But the Ravens and, and Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson is better. He's much yeah, better. I think he's better, he's yeah. better than, than anybody sitting around here thought he was going to be. And that is a huge. That's a huge factor for that team. Okay. And yeah. So, and, yeah. Yeah. I think you hit a really good one. And, and Harbaugh knows how to scheme. He they know how to build a system around him. And uh, but he's throwing from the pocket. He's doing everything. Yeah. Yes. Throws he makes uh, are the throws you're going to see him make. I mean, he it, you didn't see anything in his timing. And people could talk about Miami, whatever. But the progression of how he his timing was, you could tell he worked on his stuff. It, yes, that, he did. That, that was fundamentals. It wasn't just you know who he was playing. I think he just his he has worked on his his fundamentals, and you can see it. You can see it paying off. Right. Don't don't knock your Steelers yet. It's early. Just know that they played probably the best team in the NFL at home to start the season. Okay. Good and, luck and with that. The, yeah. And one of the things that Tomlin often says that you know he likes to create. Um, uh, it's a little bit of anxiety and stress in a situation. Like, that's important for him to get people to react. This game right here gave him everything he needs. This is going to be, a, on both offense and defense, a coaching tape for uh-huh. the next three weeks. Because what Belichick showed him, everything they, they, they're going to see and might not see with other teams. And, and when I, if you go back and look at the listen to the preview, because I knew this was going to be a tough game, what I said it was going to be most tough is for their defensive backs and their young linebackers because they were running all over the place. And mm-hmm. this is the kind of thing when you go to coaching sessions, you know, you're going to be able to take a Devin Bush and, you know, and Barons and some of these guys, and you're going to be able to spend time with them understanding the, the technical mistakes they made and, and not playing. So this, this is, I think, for him, a great coaching tape. I think the one worry is about Ben, because Ben has never been a timing person. And when you have young receivers, a young receiving core, you don't have A, B, and some of these guys who can just on the fly. Getting the ball there when they expect to see the ball is important to them, because they don't want to mess up. And I think think his ability, uh, and, and then they didn't run the football well. And they need to really, you know, not having Munchak in, you know, that offensive line coach, you know, how is that offensive line going to gel? But them losing was something, you know, you don't like to see a team lose, but I expect them to lose because I just didn't think they had the personnel and the experience to go into Foxborough in that opening game and be ready where they were. You know, if they're playing them probably, you know, eight, nine games in, I think that defense will be where it needs to be. But at this point, I knew it was going to be a mismatch, uh, but I didn't think it was going to be that much. So I think y'all made some great points uh, about this, and we'll just monitor them and see how they go uh, on the way out. All right. We had a lot we hit today. 
Um, we had a couple other things we were going to hit. We were going to hit, but we'll hit those things next time. Uh, we're going to do what we always do to close this thing out for you new listeners and uh, for you old ones. You know, hey, there's some wisdom about to be dropped. I'm going to give it to a man, Hank, to drop the mic. Thank you. And and and, and uh, this afternoon we're going to drop the mic. We're going to keep it in the NFL. And I just want to take a moment to acknowledge the the Miami Dolphins. Now, you might ask me, of all the teams you want to acknowledge, why would you want to acknowledge the Miami Dolphins? Because the Miami Dolphins in the NFL is a team of first, okay? They were the first and the only team, okay, back in the 70s to go undefeated Super Bowl champions, the only undefeated team in the NFL, okay, in the modern era. And now the Miami Dolphins come out again, as another team of, of, of first, they are the first NFL team to openly tank in the NFL. I'm, 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 I'm stunned by this revelation because if you think about the NFL outside of the NBA or, the, or Major League Baseball or even hockey, the average career of an NFL player is about a little over three years. That's the average, Okay. But what the Miami Dolphins have chosen to do is say, we're going to get rid of all of our young talent. We're going to get rid of all these guys. And we're going to openly let the whole world know we ain't trying to win a damn thing this year. Okay? We're going to stockpile a bunch of draft picks. We're going to, we're going to have our players, you know, have a revolt and want a mutiny. And they all want to get traded even before the national anthem is sung in the opening day. So don't be surprised, and you saw it that the that that the that the Ravens come out and hang fifty nine on them on opening day. All right, yet you still got to pay top dollar to go see them play if you're in South Beach. You still got to pay the parking fees and everything, and they're going to sell you with oh, but we're going to be great. I did my homework, so you don't have to do it. Okay, of all the teams out there in all four sports that have you know quote unquote tanked to try to get that brass ring, that prize, all those draft picks. There has not been one of those teams that has gone on to win championships. Or you can think about the Philadelphia 76ers. They've made it to the playoffs, but you've not seen them in the finals. You can think about other teams. You can say, oh, what about LeBron James in Cleveland? Well, he left Cleveland, finally won his championship in Miami, and then decided to come back to Cleveland as a free agent. So that really doesn't count, does it? Okay. You can go back to the old Los Angeles, San Diego Clippers in the NBA and Elgin Baylor back back when they were getting first round draft picks every year just because of poor poor uh, management and didn't win nothing. To this date, still have never been to an NBA Finals. Tanking doesn't work because the knuckleheads who tank are supposed to be the same knuckleheads that you're supposed to trust to bring in talent, to develop teams, to hire coaches, to get your team ready. So I just want to say for a moment to the Miami Dolphins because but other teams, are, oh no, we're not tanking. We'll never do that. We would never want to mess up the sanctity and the integrity of the game. Not the Dolphins. The Dolphins say, hey, Larry Tunsil, you gone. Stills, you gone. Anybody else, y'all getting pissed off, you can go too. You got players going to the agents demanding trades. This is even before they sell the first ticket of the first game. So, Miami Dolphins, at least I want to say thank you for being open enough for being candid enough, for being bold, bold, bold and ballsy enough to say, you know what, 
<laughs> even though the average player's only got three years in the league, we're going to tank your first one. Good job, guys. Good job. Way to go. Great play. This is Hank. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. This thing right here yeah, yeah, is for my people's in the streets. <laughs> yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start this show, this one might be. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.